Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hey, y'all. I hope that you had a fantastic week. I certainly did. I am just back from the Joe Dispenza meditation retreat that I had been talking about. And today I'm going to share the top three takeaways that I got from that event that I think are relevant to you. The last one specifically has to do with ADHD and it might just blow your mind a little bit. (laughs) So with that said, let's get into the top three things that I took away from this retreat that kind of changed my life. So I'll start this off by coming clean on how I've been feeling lately, because I think that's going to set the context for the rest of this conversation. For a while now, I have been feeling very disconnected to the point where there's almost like a a numbness internally. I kind of feel like I'm going through the motions of life, but not really feeling a sense of accomplishment or like that sense of deep satisfaction or I think the the word I'm looking for is wholeness. And if I'm being completely honest, these are feelings that I have been dealing with for most of my life. But lately, as in the last few years since the start of the pandemic, that feeling has really accelerated. And I think that the acceleration is somewhat aligned to this ADHD diagnosis that I've had. And the reason I sought out a diagnosis in the first place was because I was no longer able to cope with these feelings, like the feelings I just mentioned about disconnection and not really knowing who I am or what I'm doing, and then everything that layers on top of that, right? Like anxiety and confusion and chaos and impulsiveness, like all of those things that you and I both deal with on the regular. I will say that in full transparency, I do feel a little cringy talking about this because from the outside looking in, I've got nothing to feel bad about. I have a great life a wonderful husband, a beautiful home, amazing friends, and finally, meaningful work that I love. I feel a little weird saying that I still don't feel complete because these are all great accomplishments and they're wonderful gifts that I am incredibly grateful for. But they're all external. In some cases, they're validations. And in some cases, they're just external things that are not part of my internal being. That doesn't mean that they're not important or that they're not valuable. But what it does mean is that they don't ultimately give me the feelings that I'm looking for. Like when I did my needs analysis, feelings like peace and joy and wholeness. Honestly, I thought my entire life that if I achieved these things, I would get those feelings. I always said to myself, when I meet the guy, I'll be content and happy. Then I got the guy and the new milepost became When I find the work that I adore, then I'll be happy. And that took such a long time for me. And I couldn't find it for so long that I even set that financial independence goal as a caveat or a booby prize because I thought, since I can't find work I love, if I find enough financial resources that I don't have to focus on work, then maybe I'll find peace. And when I reached that goal, I did feel peace. And I still do feel peace from time to time, but it's not. It's not a knowing piece. It's not a resonant piece. It's a coming and going piece. Just like I feel joy that I have a loving husband. But those feelings don't impact my internal state 24-7. You know what I mean? There are moments when I'm reminded how 
lucky I am, but that doesn't mean that I no longer feel the pangs of loneliness and separateness and sadness. And if I were to sum all of those up, it's like a feeling of not belonging. Like I've always felt like I don't quite belong. I've always felt that way. And it gives me such a sense of restlessness that I'm always looking for that next thing to maybe bring that sense of belongingness with me. So it has manifested in my life mostly as this desire to move a lot, which drives my husband crazy. So as during the pandemic, it became an obsession with RVs. But now I'm back to that original craving for a new move, right? Well, maybe if we go back to California, I'll finally have that belonging. Or maybe if we move somewhere else, I'll feel that belonging. And when I left for the retreat last week, that feeling of disconnection and that desire to move so that I could finally feel that sense of connection was top of mind. And so much so that on the plane, as I was heading to the retreat, I wrote the following in my journal. So I will read this to you. I'm on my way to the first Joe Dispenza retreat. I'm excited and curious to see how this goes. How will I be at the end of the week? Will I be different, more relaxed and free? I don't know, but I hope for the best. And ideally, I'd like to reduce anxiety, increase my focus and attention, decrease my cravings and reliance on my buffer things like my iPhone or wine or procrastinate learning. I wanted to increase connection to myself. That's the belonging piece. And I also want to put out to the universe my desire to leave Austin. I would like to go back to California, but at this point, I, I don't even care. I just have this craving to leave. But here's something else I know to be true. We first walked through the front door of our current home four years ago today and put an offer on that house. We were full of hope for the future. We wanted to move so that we could pursue our businesses without the weight of that massive mortgage we had in California. And we did that. But am I happy? Not really, or at least no more or less than I was before. I realize that life is 50-50, but I'm still lonely and sad and I still wish for connection. So will this solve the reason why I want to leave? Probably not. I'll still feel lonely. I will still have new challenges wherever we go, given new social dynamics or new expenses and all of that. But I will be able to get outside more if we go to California and there'll be the ocean and hills and nature and my friends. And that's what's most important for my well-being. So I'll go into this transition with an understanding that my problems and challenges will probably come with me unless, of course, I'm able to resolve them. So that was the excerpt from my journal entry that I wanted to share with you. And sidebar, when I say I want to leave Austin, it's not because there's something wrong with Austin, but because I have that like insatiable need to move to a new place and, and recreate my life and hopefully make it better wherever that new place is. Now that you know my innermost feelings, you might be wondering, did I resolve them? And the short answer is yes. At least that's how I feel today. I can't say what will happen weeks or months from now, but as of today, I can say with absolute 100% certainty that I am a new person today and those feelings of disconnection and lack of belonging are no longer part of who I am. So here's the three things that I learned that really changed me this week. And a lot of them I knew on a surface level, and you will know them on a surface level too. But what happened this week is that I experienced it on a different level. I know you know what I'm talking about. It's, I viscerally know this in my bones now. 
First of all, number one, I learned just exactly how powerful our thoughts are in terms of what we create in our life, how our thoughts create our personalities and our personal realities. I also learned that slowing down our thoughts through meditation and through intention is not only powerful, but probably the most necessary way to change ourselves and change our lives. Biologically, our thoughts create neurons and peptides in our brain that trigger the endocrine system to release different hormones. It also impacts our digestion, how we digest food, information, and emotions, both our own emotions and emotions of others. That little factoid that the average person thinks about 60,000 thoughts a day, the majority of them are repeats of the thoughts that we had yesterday. And here's the thing. If we continue to think the same thoughts that we always think, then we'll continue to get the same results we always got because nothing changes. We can't change our external environment. We have to change our internal environment. And to change your thoughts, you have to be willing to do the work to truly see what those thoughts are and also to truly change them. And I'm not talking about chasing them away with positive affirmations, but to change who you are and what you believe about yourself at a very visceral level. And that's what I did this week. That all starts with showing up for yourself. When you show up for yourself, and in this context, I'm talking about meditation and doing the work to change yourself, even when it's hard, you start to build your own sense of self-worth, which is something that only you can do. You cannot buy self-worth. You can't marry it. You can't earn it at a job. Self-worth has to come from within. It's and the one thing I, I can see from the people that I work with every day is that we struggle with our self-worth. Now, this brings me to the second thing that I learned, which is that we can actually heal ourselves and others through the process of meditation and pure intent. Let me break that down with you, starting with meditation. And please, before you shut down thinking, I can't meditate, just stay open. This is part of the work of showing up for yourself, is to stay open and just hear me out. When we meditate, we create coherence in our heart and in our brain. Coherence is resonant energy. It's organized energy. And when our brains are in the state, we go into elevated brain states like gamma and theta. I'm not talking woo-woo right now. I'm talking about biology. And the same thing goes for our heart. And when our heart and our brain are resonating at a higher frequency, gamma, theta, we are able to heal ourselves. And I'm not just talking about regenerating disease cells, which, yes, you can do that. But I'm also talking about chaotic thoughts, sadness, depression anxiety, a feeling of disconnection and not belonging. These are the things that we can heal ourselves through meditation. What is the opposite of coherence? The opposite is static. It's where there's no resonance, no organization, just chaos, chaotic thoughts and actions based on those chaotic thoughts. This is when we're in a state of high beta. This is another frequency that our brain goes into. It is hard to live in this space, and yet so many of us do, especially those of us with ADHD. Now, let's pair the idea of heart and brain coherence with pure intent. When we have pure intent, that means we're focused on something specific. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's unblocking or removing something. It doesn't matter. As long as your intention is clear 
and your motivation is pure and you believe in what it is you intend to do. You have a self-belief about it. You have got a powerful concoction that can literally heal anything or bring anything to you. I know that might sound a little woo-woo, but stay with me. Now, personally, I went into this event in the emotional state that I already shared with you, that lack of belonging, that disconnection, which was showing up in some chaotic thoughts and chaotic actions. I also had a lot of neck pain and back pain and a wicked case of plantar, I think it's flashitis, although I like to say flashyitis just because it sounds more fun. My back pain is now completely gone. My neck pain is gone. My plantar is about 90% gone. It can still feel a little bit. But most importantly, I don't have any of that feeling of disconnection anymore. I'm not saying that I'm flying high as a kite. I'm not saying my life is perfect. And I'm not trying to sell myself on a bunch of positive BS affirmations that I don't really believe. I just don't have that feeling of disconnection anymore. I have no idea if that's permanent or just the fuzzy feeling that I have that might wear off over time, but you can be damn sure that I have no plans to stop meditating or to stop focusing on how grateful I am for these changes that I feel because they feel so damn good. And I should say that the healing benefits I got were based on very specific meditations that we did where we actually had the chance and opportunity to heal other people or have that intent to heal other people. And in doing so, we also healed ourselves. I know that sounds completely wackadoodle. And as you know, I'm personally only about a woo and a half, but man, this was incredible. I wish you could just see some of the things that I saw this week. It was amazing. But I'm going to pause there and go on to the last thing that I learned that might just blow your mind a little bit. And this is around ADHD specifically. And that last thing is related to energy centers. Now, I didn't learn this specifically through Joe, but the idea came to me during this retreat. You see, I went into this retreat with the intention of learning how his methods can be applied to the treatment of ADHD, which, spoiler alert, these meditations really do help. They help me at least. Now, quick sidebar here. Before I go on, I want to caveat something. An energy center is a non-physical area in the body. Different traditions have different names for the system, and there's different opinions about how many energy centers there are in the human body. So I'm not going to get into that. But what I will say up front is that Western science does not recognize the validity of these centers because they haven't been scientifically proven yet. And that's the sort of thing that is hard to get funded. So it's not surprising that it hasn't been digested by Western science. However, in Eastern uh, medicine and science, it's very commonly accepted that the human body has a number of different energy centers. So in Ayurvedic science, they're considered the chakras. In Chinese medicine, I'm not sure if Chinese medicine calls them something different, but both of those philosophies and sciences are framed and aligned to these energy centers. However, because I am speaking to a predominantly Western audience who may or may not have familiarity with Eastern science, I'm going to explain this idea that I'm about to get into about energy centers in the context of the body parts that are related to them, our endocrine system and the central nervous system. Now, with that said, I've known a lot about energy centers for a long time because of my experience and background in yoga, but it wasn't until 
Dr. Joe talked about a, a research study they did with a group of autistic kids that a light bulb went off for me. He talked about one of the symptoms of autism being severe constipation and digestive issues. And whatever the process was with this study they did, one of the results was an increase in bowel movements. So I made a little note to myself to look into digestive issues and ADHD that later that night after the session because of obviously both of those being um, neurodiverse disorders, even though they are not the same thing. I ended up finding a really interesting article that talked about neurodivergence and their struggles with digestion and how that relates to the third energy center, which includes the gut, which we know through science that the gut and brain are highly connected, and the pancreas, which can be negatively impacted by chronic stress. So broadly speaking, we could say that ADHD might be related to an imbalance in this third energy center because of the way our nervous system is wired, the impact of common comorbid conditions like anxiety and depression, and all of that leading to the hormonal impact of this gut center. So speaking energetically, now we're going to jump into the woo, the third energy center is considered to be our data processing and self-regulation center, which is very interesting. So this is where we create structure and plan and execute from an energetic standpoint. It's considered our center of productivity. It's also where we hold energetic boundaries so that we can appropriately process and digest emotions and energy, both our own emotion and energy, but also that of other people around us. So if you are someone who struggles with creating boundaries, whether it's physical or emotional or energetic, it is all related to the center. So the important thing to note about the energy centers is that when they are functioning well, we have optimal health and well-being. When they are not functioning as they should, they can be blocked or imbalanced. We have certain symptoms that show up. So I'm going to dive into that now. And I invite you to just keep an open mind about this and see if it resonates with you. So what happens if the center is blocked or imbalanced? We tend to struggle to organize and prioritize all of the information that's coming into the center. Because again, this is our data processing center. So we end up getting overstimulated. Our hyperactivity is often an expression of us trying to do something with the overload of information that we're dealing with, both consciously and unconsciously. So because this area is related to processing and digestion, both food, energy, and emotion, it is no wonder that when we are out of balance, we might struggle with things like auditory processing. Now, auditory processing disorder, otherwise known as APD, is a disorder of the auditory or hearing system that causes a disruption in the way that we understand what we're hearing. So to be very clear, this is not about hearing loss. You might hear perfectly well, but you might not be digesting that information that you're hearing appropriately. So you might have APD if you struggle to hear people speaking in noisy places, or you struggle to understand people who have strong accents, who are fast talkers, or very quiet, soft talkers. Or you might also struggle with this if you can't follow spoken instructions very well, whether that's directions, to you know, arrive at a certain place or steps to accomplish something. 
if somebody's just talking at you, your brain might shut down because you can't process that information from an auditory standpoint. That's when you know you might have APD. APD looks a lot like ADHD because they're both related to attention and distractibility, but they are two different clinical disorders. However, a lot of folks with ADHD also have APD. So all of this comes back to the struggle that we might have with digesting and processing things, both, again, solid food and information coming into that third energy center, because that energy center is all about mental, emotional, and physical processing. So when we don't have that acuity, it makes it very difficult for us to immediately process what's coming in and set boundaries. So when we're not able to set boundaries, we take on other people's emotions. If they're cranky, we make it about us and all of a sudden we switch into people-pleasing mode because we're not giving ourselves enough time and space to digest that emotion of another person and realize that What's happening in their world has nothing to do with us. Also, this can show up in our physical environment when we're asked to do things or when we overcommit to things. Because again, we're not taking enough time to digest the fact that these things we commit to are going to take up all of our time. And then we later regret it when we are able to digest the magnitude of what we just overcommitted to. So all of this speaks to the ADHD nervous system because we're always hypervigilant. And a lot of that comes back to the fact that we know we have such porous boundaries. So we try to overcompensate by people pleasing or saying yes to too much or taking on the weight of other people's problems until ultimately we burn ourselves out. So how do we know if this is actually something we're dealing with? I'm going to go through some signs that you may have some blocks in this area. Physical signs might be indigestion, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, eating disorders, excessive weight gain, ulcers, diabetes, issues with the pancreas, liver, and colon, heartburn, and sensitive gums or bleeding gums. So again, all of this comes back to digestion and whether or not it's working properly. And when it's not functioning properly, it can lead to diabetes and obesity. So it doesn't really matter whether or not you want to buy into the whole energy system piece. We know we have these organs and we know what happens when they don't work properly. So now I'm going to get into some of the emotional signs that you might be blocked in the center. Overanalyzing and overthinking things. Hello. <laughs> That's me. Anger and irritation. Low self-confidence. Doubt and mistrust towards the people in your life. Insecurity. Low self-esteem. Continuous need for confirmation and approval from others. Unhealthy attachment to people in your life. Rigid and controlling behavior. Again, that comes back to the porous boundaries. Self-victimizing mentality, lack of direction and motivation, and difficulty setting boundaries. Wow, I don't know about you, but to me that sounded like a description for the worst case scenario with ADHD. <laughs> so what happens when this energy center is balanced? You have a sense of self-confidence and self-worth. You have a strong personal identity and purpose. You feel more empowered to take action toward goals and dreams. You have better digestion and a healthy metabolism, inner strength and resilience, an ability to make decisions with ease and trust the decisions that you make. Because all of that comes from the gut, right? 
You have a willingness to take risks and step out of your comfort zone with a clarity of mind and control over your emotions because you have better self-regulation. And of course, all of these things describe a healthy nervous system that is able to know that it's safe and rest and digest, as opposed to that fight, flight, or freeze response when our nervous system is jacked and we can't digest anything. So I hope you can see how these things are interrelated and that you don't necessarily have to adopt the mindset of the spiritual side if that doesn't resonate with you. But there's enough here to illustrate just how much our digestion and our nervous system impact our ADHD symptoms and the quality of our life. Like, I don't know about you, but my mind is blown. The more we know, the more we're empowered to take control over our lives and manage our ADHD symptoms better. So at this point, you're probably thinking, that's all well and good. And yes, I can see where I might be imbalanced in that area, but what do I do about it? <laughs> well, I wish I had like a simple step one, two, and three to help you out there, but this is a big topic, a really big and meaty topic. And I'm certainly not going to be able to cover it all in one or two episodes, but what I am going to do is put a pin in that topic right now because I know I've probably piqued your interest and I know you'll probably go down your rabbit holes of research, <laughs> but I will continue to do the same and explore more in next week's episode. So what I'll do now is pause there and come back to the main topic, which was the retreat that I went to and everything I learned there. I would definitely say that the meditations that we did and the immersive experience that I had was incredibly helpful for me to not only balance these things in my body from an energetic standpoint, but also just heal a lot of the things that were going on both emotionally and physically for me. And as a result, I'm feeling so, so, so much better. Now, am I trying to sell you on some retreat? Absolutely not. I don't have any links for you. <laughs> I don't have anything like that. And I don't even think that this retreat is for everybody. I think that if you had the curiosity and the means from which to do it, because you have to pay for it, right? Then go for it. It's definitely worth experiencing once in your life if you have the means. However, if you don't have the means or you're still very skeptical about everything that I've said, I would invite you to check out some of his books because they're really well-written and they're very interesting, or just give him a Google because Dr. Joe Dispenza is all over YouTube. He has been interviewed by every big name in spirituality and wellness and self-development, all of those spaces, if you will, and also science. Although I will say he's considered pseudoscience by a lot of scientists, even though he has doctors and scientists on his team and they're constantly doing research on the impacts of meditation and human well-being. I think at this point we're, we've all heard the benefits of meditation and a lot of that has been scientifically proven to improve our well-being. But the way that Dr. Joe Dispenza approaches meditation is very different from what you might consider mainstream meditation or the Buddhist approach or a spiritual approach. He takes a very scientific approach and the way his retreats are designed, it is like lecture, meditation, lecture, meditation, lecture, meditation. And you do that three times a day so that progressively you're beginning to understand more and more of the science so that when you go into the meditation, you understand what's happening and it helps with that believability piece, which I think is really important because a lot of people try to meditate and they're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to stop and assume that this isn't working for me. That is definitely something he addresses in his retreats. But again, they're not for everybody. They're extremely intense. 
And I think that you can gain a lot of value from what he puts out there in his books and on the internet for free. So with that said, I hope this was in some way helpful. And again, if not all of it resonated with you, that's totally cool. If something did resonate with you, I encourage you to go do your own research and to learn more about yourself and your ADHD so that you are better empowered to make choices and decisions and design your life in a way that's going to work for you, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do here. So thanks very much for listening to the end of this podcast. I know it was rather long. Uh, I appreciate you. And thanks again for listening. And next week, I promise I will break down more of this in terms of how we can approach healing and improving our symptoms from this perspective. So on that note, guys, thanks for listening. And I will see you next week right here. Take care for now. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.